Romans 5.15 says this, If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes, sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus Christ provides. I love that. That's the message translation of Romans 5.15. Those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift. Life is a gift. Um, And... uh, coming to Christ and uh, accepting Christ is the beginning of a great transformation. Um, But accepting Christ and inviting Christ into our world is the start of a process, isn't it? Uh, We find out after we give our lives to Christ, Christ comes into our world and we begin to follow him and and read the word and he begins to influence our life. But we realize that we're, we're not fully there yet, are we? We've still got a process taking place the bible calls it sanctification that's a a religious word if you like that just means we're in process uh we've begun a journey and jesus christ is transforming us and one of the areas that god wants to transform us is the area of fear fear plays such a significant part in in our lives in everybody's life uh steve was mentioning you know all the things that are happening in europe at the moment and what's happening with the markets and as I was just saying to uh, someone this morning, that uh, everything around markets and finances, it's all based around human emotion, isn't it? It's all based around fear. What's taking place is fear. People are afraid they're going to lose their money, and so they begin to act accordingly. And that's just one area. Um, In fact, I thought it was hilarious. I was was looking at my Twitter feed, and um, they were saying that... uh, after all the after uh, you know uh, Britain or the UK or I guess uh, Britain particularly voted on on coming out of the the out of the EU the uh, European Union um, and all this stuff started to happen with the markets. The, you know what the largest trending search on Google in Britain was? What is the EU? Can you believe that? <laughs> the largest trending search in Google after all this bad stuff started happening was, what is the EU? And the second largest trending search was, what will happen if we leave? <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Um, <laughs> but uh, if, you, uh, if you look up phobias... In Google, you actually end up with, like, I did it um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you end up with about 13 pages of ser- of searches uh, of all the different types of fears that we can be struck by or influenced by. Um, who knows what these are? I'll just, I'll just run through a couple more common ones, and then a couple are not so common. Claustrophobia. Fear of small spaces. Agrophobia. No, large open spaces, arachnophobia, (laughs) spiders, Uh, uh, acrophobia, heights, (laughs) Uh, 
Yeah, some of you will love this one. Hyper, hypergeophobia, fear of responsibility. <laughs> I think I suffer from that sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, f- uh, what's another one here? Geophobia, a fear of laughter. You won't last here very long if you've got that fear. <laughs> uh, and a final, of uh, prosophobia, fear of progress, and pronophonobia, a fear of thinking. You're right. Have you looked that up? <laughs> I was <laughs> reading my notes. <laughs> and I thought you were just intelligent. <laughs> Actually, there is something that Joe has a great gift in. This is Joe down here, and that is um, flags. You can show him any flag in any country in the world and he'll know what it is. Unbelievable. Everyone has a gift. If you can learn how to make money out of that, you'll be very, very well off. (laughs) So fear is a state or condition marked by a feeling of agitation, anxiety caused by the presence of actual or potential danger. And oftentimes it's... Uh, most of our behavior is based not around actual fear, it's based around potential fear, potential consequences. Um, and obviously fear has its place in our, in our life. There are certain things. God's given us this sensation, this emotion, because if there is actual fear, uh, you need to respond accordingly. You know, if you walk to the edge of a cliff and you, and you don't feel any sense of fear or trepidation, there's a strong chance that you might, you might fall, do some damage. So fear does have its place, but oftentimes the fears that we deal with, the fears that we're influenced by aren't based around actual real uh, potential danger or damage, but, but things that are going on in our own emotions, in our own head and in our own feelings. Um, and in the Bible, over 300 times, the Bible says to fear not. God over and over and over again throughout the Scriptures says fear not or do not be afraid or, or various versions of that. Um, I once heard someone say this, 365 times in the Bible where it says fear not or do not be afraid, one for every day. And I tried to look them up, but I can't find 365, so I don't know where they got that from. I found 300. Um, but it's a good saying though, one for every day, but actually there's not one for every day, there's a few days where you don't. <laughs> but anyway, um, we, <laughs> why does God have it in there so many times where it's 300, 360? Why is it in there so many times? Because we have such a propensity to be influenced by fear. We have such an inclination for our decision making and the way we live our lives to be influenced by the fear of something bad happening. Uh, and so God over and over again says, and in uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, the Apostle Paul says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Uh, fear is sometimes not just emotions, it's a spirit. A spirit that can influence us in negative ways, but God has given us a spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of love, and He's spirit, given us a spirit of sound mind. Um, And so when we accept Christ into our life, there is a process then of being liberated 
from fear, liberated from things that hold us back of stepping out in life and fulfilling this scripture which talks about grasping with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift. Oftentimes we don't live that kind of life because we are afraid of stepping out. We're afraid of getting out of our comfort zone. We're afraid of making changes in our world that might lead us into a place of of great uh, discovery and blessing because we're afraid that, that it may actually take us to a worse place than what we've got right now. So I want to look at three things quickly here that the Bible talks about in regards to fear and then three things that we can implement that the Bible talks about that will help us overcome fear or step out into new places. Is that good? Number one, uh, the Bible shows us that fear can cause us to reject God's purpose for our life. Exodus chapter 3, there's a story where God comes to a gentleman in the Bible whose name is Moses. Um, and God comes to him and says, I want you to lead my people out of captivity. I want you to take him into a promised land. And, and if you haven't got time to go through the whole conversation and the whole context, but basically uh, Moses goes through a whole lot of whole lot of responses around I I can't do it I'm not the person for the job I don't have the ability Uh, who am I Uh, I don't know what to say Uh, what if they don't believe me even if I did do it I'm not eloquent and there's a process over and over again he says send somebody else and you, you you read through this and you think why is Moses so afraid of taking a hold of this challenge yes it's a it's a big proposition if you like yes it's a massive undertaking um but that's but but the response doesn't seem to be in in context with what God's asked him to do so why is he so afraid of doing what God's asked him to do why does he not want to step out of where he is right now he's living in a desert he grew up in the palace he's now a shepherd where he was one of the governors of the largest empire of their day. He was an influencer in the world. He's now living out in the desert. He's looking after sheep. God's wanting to utilize the giftings, the abilities, the callings that are in his life. He goes, I can't do it. Why? The reason is because if you read through the whole story, at one point he stepped out, he tried to do what God asked him to do, and he failed. He failed. They chased him. He ran away. He went out into the desert and he'd been there for 40 years. And then God's trying to awaken again that call that he felt in his heart originally to do something significant, to make a difference in the world. And because he had stepped out once before and it had failed and it had all gone wrong and, and people things happened to people that, that was a consequence of that and he couldn't deal with it. And then he goes, I don't want to step out again. I don't want to take that risk again because I've been there and I failed and I can't handle that happening again. Anybody ever stepped out and failed at something and then when another opportunity comes around, you don't take it because you can't accept or deal with the fact that if it doesn't work out, how would I deal with that? It's... It's common, fear of failure for for Moses. The fear of failure was bigger than the pain of staying where he was. Was he happy? No, he wasn't. 
Was he fulfilled? No, he wasn't. Was he living a life of significance in regards to what he felt? No, he wasn't. And yet the fear of failure, the fear of stepping out and not working again, the fear of taking a hold of it was greater than the pain that he felt at that moment living and insignificant and far less than comprehensive all around and, and fulfilling life. And so God began a process of restoring him. God began a process of healing him. God began a process of leading him out into this new place. But you know what? He still had to take the step. Moses still had to say, at some point, I will do it. Um, and so fear can cause us to reject a great opportunity or a great calling or, or something that God wants us to do that takes us to another level that will stretch us, that will maybe expand our capacity, that will be challenging. But I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life in a completely safe zone. There's something about being, walking by faith. There's something about trusting in God that brings you alive. Is that right? That's what life's supposed to be about. Uh, another per story in the Bible, another guy by the name of Gideon. You may have heard of him in Judges chapter 6. Um, God comes to him or an angel comes to him and says, uh, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And, here, and if you know the context of the story, he's hiding because they'd been invaded by another army, the Midianites, and he was hiding in a wine press where you're supposed to make wine, but they were just treading out some grain to make some bread so that they could eat. He was in fear. He was afraid. He was hiding. And then this angel comes to him and, and says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And, and he, again, he goes through this process of working through. Uh, it's like, it's like God is a, uh, is a therapist <laughs> and he comes in and he begins to unwind the thinking and the emotion and the, and the barriers to stepping out and taking a hold of what he was doing. In both these circumstances, God is dealing with their sense of self-worth, self-value and purpose. He's dealing with who they are and oftentimes <laughs> dealing with who we are and actually acknowledging who we are and what we have and what our fears are and what's holding us back is the beginning of actually moving forward. Um, there's, a, there's a great book, uh, business book called um, Good to Great. I don't know if anybody's heard it. It's by a business guy called Jim Collins. Anyway, he goes through, he did all this research on businesses that were flatlining for a long period of time, not doing much, and then they took off and what happened at that juncture and and one of the keys that he discovered, uh, he's not so much a, a business person himself, he's more a researcher, but he said that uh, these companies or the, or the leaders of these companies, one of the, the key things that they did at that point was to, was to face the uh, truth about where they were at that point, to actually be honest with themselves and that actually being honest with yourself and saying, this is who I am, this is where I'm at, is actually the beginning of moving forward. Not living, uh, believing that uh, all these other things are actually true when they're not. And so when uh, God comes to Gideon and says, you're a mighty man of valor, it completely went against the way he saw himself at that particular time. And so I, I think God did that to actually expose to Gideon who he was and what he was feeling 
and, uh, and that's the, a part of the process. And so God is calling us, He's calling you to a place of purpose, of capacity, of actually of significance, of living in a place of daring bravery, if you like, a courageous life. But oftentimes we can't get to that place because we are afraid of actually stepping out and losing what we have right now. And so with Moses, with Gideon, God began that process and they both did incredible things with their lives and for the kingdom of God because God took them on a process of healing, of uh, discovery and of empowerment. And that's what he wants to do with us as well. Number one, fear can cause us to reject the purpose of God. Number two, fear will cause us to retreat from challenge or repeat, retreat from opposition. So Moses was afraid, but he did believe God and he stepped out anyway into God's purpose and did incredible things. Gideon was afraid, but he did trust in God. He, he broke out of that sense of fear and began to do something anyway and fulfilled the purpose of God and brought about great transition. In Numbers 13 and 14, read the story of Israel, who Moses brought out of captivity and, and quite a, a repressed uh, life. And they got to the edge of their promised land. They got to the edge of the thing that God had promised them and that what they'd wanted for uh, generations. And because of the opposition that they saw, because their focus was more on on the challenge as opposed to the process or the, the opposition as opposed to God's ability, it says that they refused to go in. They refused to step out. Uh, and they began to look at their old life and their old way, which they'd hated at the time because, of its, because they were oppressed and they were subjected by uh, uh, the uh, Egyptian um, uh, nation. They were slaves and yet when they got to the edge of coming into a new place of freedom and fulfillment, significance and value and doing something significant, because of their fear, they began to look at their past in a much heightened and enlightened way. And they began to think, you know what, it's actually not so bad. What we had is not so bad. Uh, there was some good things in there. And oftentimes this is what we do when we come to the edge and because fear will will cause us to either go forward or go back. If we move into courage, we'll actually step into a new place, empowered, or if we don't, we'll act or react in fear and go back to where we were and we'll say, you know what, it wasn't that bad. There's actually some good things about it and we begin to justify why we won't step out. We begin to make a, a protective mechanism that will help our self-esteem, that will help us when we don't step out to go back to where we were and live with ourselves, even though we know that we should be doing something else. And so I want to encourage you today to not allow those processes, whether it be the devil, whether it be ourselves, to go, you know what, it's, it's okay, I can live like this, this is okay. It's actually not that bad when all along we'd been at a point where we're going, I can't live like this anymore. But the moment we get to a point of opportunity where God opens up the door, we face fear. We face anxiety, the risk of the unknown, the risk of taking out, stepping out and losing, whether it be you know, in a relationship, whether it be in a business, whether it be in, in uh, areas of our finances, where, whether it be buying a home or whatever it is where we are, where we are frozen in trepidation um, by fear. And it happens to everybody. How? Wow, my time's up already. All right, there you go. <laughs> no, no. 
No, I said it a little bit, a little bit shorter. <laughs> wow. Are you, are you doubting me, Rhiannon? Wow. <laughs> it is only 8 past 11, I might remind you. Wow. <laughs> These service producers. <laughs> All right. Let me keep moving. All right. Uh, fear will cause us to compromise. Another thing we do in the Bible, story of Abraham, Genesis 15, Genesis 16. He'd been waiting and waiting and waiting for the promise to come to place. He'd been patient. He felt he'd done everything and it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. He was waiting, waiting. God said, wait, 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 wait. He wouldn't wait. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to wait anymore. He stepped out through a whole set of processes. He ended up having a son. His name was Ishmael. And God goes, that's not. And then he ended up having another son, which he'd been waiting for, called Isaac. And, and the fact that he stepped out in his own ability, his own power, in his own timing to make it happen his way, it caused a whole lot of frustration, a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of anxiety and a whole lot of damage, not only to his family and his immediate family, but ongoing generations who were at war, for the, have been at war for the rest of, uh, uh, since that time, from generation to generation. So... Fear, fear of missing out, fear of loss, fear of, of not being able to attain what we want <clears throat> can cause us to compromise on what we know is right and to, and to accept second best because we think, oh, I'm happy with this, but it ne we never are. And what it creates in our world is a whole lot of circumstances which, which end up making us less happy than what we would have been if we had awaited. Anyway, I haven't got time to go any more to that. Uh, <laughs> Compromise. Okay. So how do we overcome fear? Number one, first we must understand that courage, courage is not the absence of fear. It's action in spite of fear. There's never going to be a moment, a significant moment of stepping out of opportunity where fear is absent. Oftentimes there is always a process of, you know, there is a, there's always a chance of risk. There's always risk involved. In a relationship, there's risk. In finance, there's risk uh, you've got to assess that risk, but you can't allow that then to hold you back from stepping out and believing God and trusting God, um, whether it be in our finances, whether it be in whatever area, some area that God's calling us to step out. Um, there's an old saying, fear knocked at the door, faith had answered it, and nobody was there. Stepping out on God's word. Trusting God, moving out of our comfort zone. When was the last time you were out of your comfort zone in some areas of your life? Um, I'm always trying to step out of my comfort zone in different ways, shapes, or far, uh, for, di different ways, shapes. Uh, anyway, I won't talk about that because I'm losing out of time. <laughs> um, is what you're currently doing going to get you to where God is calling you? Is what you're currently doing going to take you and lead you to the place that you know God has called you to be? And if it's not, you have to make some changes. If it's in your career, if it's in your calling, in your business, and you go, this, tra traje this tra trajectory <laughs> is not actually going to lead you where I know I'm meant to be, where I'm called to be, what I'm called to do, then you need to make some changes. Changes are scary. Um, they're risky, um, but 
when we do them in prayer, in trust of God, in the right process, then we can always be assured that God works all things together for good. He always works all things together for good for those who love God. Um, it's a great story about a, a well-known Christian business guy. His name was Peter Daniels. He's in his 80s now, but he, he uh, has been an influential Christian businessman for, for decades and decades, multi-multi-millionaire. He's been uh, uh, a uh, philanthropist and, and business leader and involved in many Christian outreaches and evangelistic uh, meetings. Um, but he always tells the story. I remember hearing the story of when he, was, he got saved at 26 years of age. He was illiterate. He couldn't read or write because of his, the kind of upbringing that he had. He had problems announcing words. Um, but then he came to Christ and he began a process of, he felt God had called him to speak publicly, to be a business leader and all this stuff. And, and uh, he, he was petrified, absolutely petrified. Um, and he began to become successful in business and he got asked to speak in different places. He didn't want to do it, but he knew God had called him to do it. And so he began to do it. But he said for the first 15 years, when he, he would be asked to speak for the first 15 years, he'd wake up all through the night completely petrified of getting up in front of people, of messing up his words because he'd been illiterate. He was afraid of people laughing at him because of his pronunciation and things like that. Uh, but he would force himself to step out because he felt this is what God's asked me to do. Sit out of the comfort zone. What is God asking us to do that will take us out of our comfort zone? We may be successful in one area, and it's going really well. And God's saying, I want you to develop in this area. It's very easy for us if we're successful or something's going well and to just stay in that area. I go, this is awesome. I feel good. I'm getting, I'm getting feedback. I feel good about myself. Um, but God's saying, I want you to develop this area. I want you to step out in this area, create some anxiety, some good trepidation in your life. And so he would... Um, uh, he said two hours before he would get up to speak, and he did this for 15 years, and he was a multimillionaire. Um, two hours before he'd get up to speak, he would mix up a glass of milk, two tablespoons of flour, and a couple of spoons of sugar, and he would turn it into a paste. And he would follow that, he would swallow that paste to block his bowel, because the first time he got up to speak, he actually, he actually lost it because of fear all over the stage <laughs> but instead of retreating instead of taking a step back saying I'm never ever going to do that again I'm so embarrassed he was embarrassed he was he was distraught he he looked for ways to and so he would he would take this paste and block his bowel and then walk out on the stage and deliver his message and then he said he'd go home after his his speech and he'd take four chocolate laxatives to get it all out of his system <laughs> and he would speak multiple times a week and he said he did that for 15 years it took him 15 years to overcome his sense of of insignificance because of his upbringing because of his uh, illiteracy because of just how he saw himself and yet he continued to step out that is inspiring to me and yet oftentimes we get to a point where we're afraid of something and we won't step out. We won't challenge ourselves. We won't take any risks. And then we whinge and complain about what our life is like and what we don't have this and why this isn't going on. But we won't do anything about it. We're just like the 
children of Israel, whinging and complaining about their, their um, captivity under Egypt. And yet when God gives them opportunity, they will not take it. And then they call them, and then they see themselves as victims. We can't do this and we can't do that. I was listening to a clinical psychologist, um, uh, accident. It wasn't accidentally, I was listening to some other podcasts and I ended up interviewing this other guy, just fitted, up, fitted in beautifully with this message. But he's a clinical psychologist um, who works with uh, high-level athletes, uh, Olympians. He's the clinical psychologist for the, uh, for the uh, New Zealand All Blacks. Simi, you'll like that. He is a New Zealander. He, he works with a lot of, uh, well, New Zealand don't have many Olympic athletes, but anyway, he works with them. <laughs> <laughs> he, he works with the New Zealand Olympic team. He works with the All Blacks. He works with a lot of other people. But as I was listening to this interview with him, he said he said that the first 15 years of his of his uh, of his uh, psycho psychological training and his and his experience was working with uh, sex offenders. So he spent 15 years working with sex offenders, and then he ended up getting involved in sport. Uh, well, he said he, he actually said he ended up having some children. He, he had his own children. When he had his own children, he could no longer work with them because he no longer had compassion for them, which is an important part of being able to work with them. So he moved out of that field, began to work in sports psych psychology, worked for the, um, a, a number of New Zealand regional uh, rugby teams. And anyway, sorry, I'm getting told. Move on. <laughs> um, Here's the point. This is what he said. He said the process that he would work with with sex offenders in regards to facing the reality of where they were, who they are, and moving forward is exactly the same process that he would use to work with elite athletes in helping them overcome their challenges, their fears, and the things that were holding them back. He said it's exactly the same process. It's all about, number one, facing up to who you are, this is who I am, this is what I'm dealing with, and then being able to deal with and face and work through the emotions that hold you back from change. And so many athletes, he said, because of fear of failure, and I began to think about this with the New Zealand, oh, so, sorry, with the uh, New South Wales State of Origin team at the moment, he said many teams, because the, the fear of failure is greater than the, than the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the success blessing or whatever you want to say, uh, when they get to a point of possibly winning, the fear of failure and the fear of losing causes them to react and act in certain ways that causes them to lose in the end anyway. That's exactly what New South Wales is doing at the moment. But he said, anyway, um, <laughs> I need to go in there and, no, I don't. <laughs> anyway, here's the point. Here's the point. What's the point? <laughs> the point is, we under, uh, overcoming our fears, uh, it's not the absence of fear. But what he did say, which I thought was interesting to all of us, which is my second point, it's about thought displacement. So he said, what often, so how, how they help, uh, how they help, how he helps sex offenders, how he helps elite athletes move out of their old behavior into new behavior is actually having the big picture, but then breaking it down to what are you doing today? So you see with a lot of, and so what they teach these athletes is to stay out of the big moment and move back into the routine. So what are you doing today? Forget about what's going on around you. And that's why oftentimes you see, whether it be uh, golfers, whether it be tennis players, whether it be kickers in league and union, 
They have a routine that they go through every single time they do a shot or they kick a ball or whatever. They have a routine. And the purpose of the routine, they're taught to do the routine because the routine takes them out of the moment and puts them back in the process. The process is I step up, I take three steps back, I take two steps to the right, I I pull my pants up, I blow my hair, I spin around in circles, whatever it is. And then I go and then I take the kick. The purpose of the process is to take you out of the pressure and to go back to the process. And he's saying that's the same with sex offenders. It's exactly the same with elite athletes. Focus on what's the process. What are we doing today that is going to take us out of where we are? What are we doing every day? It's all right to focus on the big picture. It's all right to have big dreams. It's all right to say, I want to do this and I want to do that or, or I'm afraid of this, afraid. But what am I doing today? What, what is my routine that is going to help me move into what God's got for me? Um, so thought displacement, not allowing the fears, the anxieties and the things that can overwhelm us pushing them out and just focusing on this is what I've got to do. This is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. That's called self-control. That's the spirit that the Bible says God has given us. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self-control. The ability to take hold of your emotions, the ability to press through those challenges, the ability to bring healing into our lives and to focus on what is right, what is good, and what is... And the Bible puts it this way. I'll finish with this. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good of good report, if there is any virtue and there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Why? I was just saying to Peter down here before, you know, oftentimes... The Bible, God will tell us to do things in the Bible. We don't always understand why, but sometimes when we look through and you get different understanding or or different research comes out, you begin to understand God knows what He's doing. And we don't always know the subconscious, clinical, psychological, spiritual things that are going on in our world all the time. We don't always know. Sometimes we do, but if we do what God asks us to do, He knows what He's doing. And if we begin to implement in our life, our life will get better. We will break out of the things that hold us back. We will take a hold of the things that God has got for us. It's not easy. It's not easy, but you can do it. Because the Bible says all things are possible to those who believe. Jesus, Philippians 4.13 says, I'm able to do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So what, you could read that scripture and go, why is it important that I just focus on those things? Because God's saying, thought displacement. Replace the fears, the anxieties, the worries and the concerns and think about things that are pure, that are lovely, things of good report, of virtue, that are praiseworthy. Meditate on these things. Focus on these things. Focus on what God's doing. Focus on the good things. There's always good and there's always bad. What are we going to focus on? What are we going to take a hold of? Let's close our eyes here this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you your word is true. Father, it transforms us. It changes us. It empowers us. It builds us. 
It takes us places that we would never go on our own. It opens up opportunities that we would never see on our own. It sets us free from things that we could never break out of on our own. Father, I pray here this morning that you would help us take a hold of everything you've got for us to live lives of courage, not lives of fear. To fulfill and to stretch our capacity and what you've placed within us that we don't remain within our comfort zone, but we will step out in fear and trepidation, trusting in you, knowing that all things work together for good for those who love God, that you will work these things out, that when we work through process, when we trust in you, when we get good guidance, Father, you bring blessing into our world. You open up our relationships into whole new levels of depth. And you work all things together for good in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.